I will tell you, we are not to be a church that merely talks about the gospel. We are not to be a church that merely gathers on Sunday morning, but we are to be a church that is about transforming this world, is about representing Jesus Christ to the world around us. And I want to challenge you and encourage you, even before we get into the message, just as I even felt challenged during that time of prayer, uh, we must be about changing this community. We must do whatever it takes to introduce them to the love of Jesus Christ, for he is their only hope. Uh, We look around us and we see brokenness everywhere. Uh, This past weekend, I had the opportunity to ride along with the Clemson Police Department, and um, it was on Friday night. And to tell you the truth there, there were some things that we saw that were humorous and entertaining. Some of them, though, would simply break your heart. Because you began to see how broken people are in this community. There are so many folks who simply need hope. And they're not finding it anywhere else. And the only way they're going to find it is through Jesus Christ and him alone. I will say that sometimes Jesus Christ coming to the broken and the hurting people in our community is dependent on God's people stepping up to the plate. Us loving on them, going out of the way to simply show them that there is someone, there is something that is better for them that will provide. I will tell you that riding along with them this week, I did get at least some entertainment. Um, One of the things that did entertain me was watching people drive. Um, Imagine sitting at a stoplight or you are approaching a stoplight and you see that it's turning red and you have in mind, I can make it. And then you look over and you see the police car sitting there waiting to come out. All those cars, they look like snow plows. All of a sudden, they slam on the brakes, and they're trying to stop as fast as they can. Now, the only thing that makes that funny is because most of us have been that snow plow at some point or another. Uh, And then, of course, you have those who, uh, they simply um, become the best drivers in the world when they see the police officer behind them. Uh, There's a reason why the police officer got in behind them initially, but all of a sudden, they become by far the best driver you could ever ask for. And uh, we did see a lot of humorous things like that, but probably the thing that spoke the most to me were those who who were incredibly broken, Uh, individuals who do not even realize the damage that they are doing to themselves, Uh, realize that the future that they have, that they are putting in jeopardy by some of the choices that they are making today. And honestly, it was a very disheartening thing at times. Uh, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed being with the officers and look forward to doing it again with them. But being with them this week did sort of point out the fact that we have a broken world. What I discovered was most of the people, uh, they, they typically did things out of fear or they didn't do things out of fear. Now, an individual may be doing something really dumb and then they see a police officer and all of a sudden they don't want to get in trouble. So now they're going to act normal and everything's okay. Uh, It's actually disappointing also when you look out and you see people that you recognize from the school that you teach at, and they recognize you, and immediately they're embarrassed and they want to go the other way because they don't want you to know what they've been up to. Um, Often because we fear certain things, we choose to avoid other things. 
I was talking with um, uh, Richard. Uh, Richard Smith is one of our interns, and he was sharing with us this past week at our staff meeting that he has a friend. They have something called fainting goats. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of a fainting goat before. A fainting goat is a goat that literally will faint if you scare it. Um, I want you to imagine just for a moment that a group of guys are surrounded by fainting goats. What do you think the goal is for all those guys? To make the goat faint. You're going to do whatever it takes. You're going to sneak up behind them and you're going to try to shout. Or you're going to sneak up on them and you're going to slap them on the rear end just to see if you could scare them, if you could surprise them and watch their knees lock up and then just fall over. It's a little bit entertaining to see that type of thing because the truth is we know that there's no risk for us in that. But You know, but there are some animals that I don't know if we would want to play that kind of game with. Um, I took my dog for a walk just a few weeks ago, actually two weeks ago, and uh, it was late at night. It was probably about 11 o'clock, which I know it's too late and I shouldn't be out walking with a dog, but usually I feel pretty safe. Well, as we're walking, now just as I pass Joe Wiggins' house, just as I pass his house, I look over and I see this beautiful, shiny black cat with a white stripe down the back. I realized that's not really a cat. Fortunately, I saw this animal right before my dog saw the animal. So I take off running this way and suddenly the dog sees him and she takes off running that way. Well, fortunately, I won the tug of war that night and we went running the other way. Why? Because I don't want to sneak up on that kind of animal. Last spring, I was out looking actually for my dog, and again, it was late at night, and as we're walking along, uh, it's really dark, really, really dark this particular night, and I can't see anything on the sides of the roads. I can see what's happening in the street, and all of a sudden, I hear this bark, and I'm telling you, this was the most vicious bark I've ever heard in my life. It might have been a crossbreed between a bear and a dog. I couldn't see this dog, but as this dog began to very aggressively try to get to me, the first thought that came through my mind was, if this dog gets loose, I'm going to die. I want you to know that for that skunk and for that dog, there is no way I want to play that sneaking up kind of game like you would with the fainting goat. There are some things that it is a healthy thing for us to be fearful It is healthy for us to recognize that there are some things that we do not want to mess with. It's interesting the things that we will do or not do out of fear. For many of us, our initial move toward Christ was actually based out of fear. We feared the punishment of our sins. We didn't want to spend eternity in hell, and we were afraid that we might die and therefore go to hell, so we've got to do something about it. For many of us, it was fear that drove us to the altar initially. While this type of fear can be a great place to start, what I want to challenge you with today, I want you to understand this is not the type of fear that actually will drive you for the long term in your Christian walk. What I mean by that is that we must develop a different type of fear if we are to become the people that God has created us to be. The fear that I I long for for the body of Christ is one that's much less about being scared and much more about having a sense of awe and respect for our God. 
It is about us living to honor the one who created us and saved us. It is about us recognizing that we don't deserve to be in the presence of God. And to think that he would invite us in is almost overwhelming. That he would want us to be a part of a relationship with him. It is about us following the words of Philippians chapter 2. And I want to read just the first four verses of it to you. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This passage is about taking on the very characteristics of Christ, us choosing to be like him. Now, here's the thing. If the only reason you are a child of God is because you are afraid that you might die and go to hell, then actually becoming like Christ will never really be a desire for you. You just want to avoid hell. But when we begin to fear the Lord, as in we reach a point where we recognize it is our privilege, it is our blessing to be in the presence of God, to be in a relationship with him, then all of a sudden it becomes one of those things where we're saying, I want to be like the one that I want to be with. There are people that we love being around. There are people that we don't love being around. When you're around somebody that you really love being with, don't you at some point begin to take on the characteristics of that one? Don't you at some point begin to think some of the same thoughts that they think? You ever been around someone who they could complete your sentences? It's because you spend so much time with them and the next thing you know, you begin to become more and more like them. This is what happens when we begin to genuinely fear the Lord, not fear his punishment, not fear the judgment of God, but to fear him as in we love him and we honor him and we hold him in such high esteem that he is the thing, that he is the one that we seek to be like because he's just that awesome. Every time I look at the characteristics that are here in Philippians chapter 2, every time I consider these, my mind goes back to Mary. When she first began to realize that God was doing something special, incredible in her through the virgin birth. Remember the greeting that she receives, first of all, from the angel? Greetings, you who are highly favored. Do not be afraid. Why do you think she had to be told that? Oh, because there was a sense of fear. Not just an awe and reverence type of fear, but how often does an angel show up and begin to speak to you? There was a fear almost as if, am I about to be struck down? Did I do something I shouldn't have done? He says, do not be afraid, for God has found favor in you. You see, the thing is, this young lady God was pleased with. He was excited to be able to use this young lady for his glory. 
But here she was, she was afraid. She was genuinely afraid because of the unique nature of this experience. Then she goes to meet with her cousin Elizabeth. And it's as if suddenly she gets it. It's almost like, okay, I think that this is a good thing. I think this is okay. But in the midst of her pregnancy, she goes to Elizabeth, who she has found out is also pregnant. Listen to the song that Mary sings, beginning in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. Within this song, I see three things that I want you to catch today. The first thing is this. Godly fear, godly fear always humbles. Mary knows her place before God. She actually talks about the fact that she is in a humble position, yet God has reached down to her. She talks about the fact that God will actually lift up the humble. Mary knows her place, and she gets what the psalmist says in Psalm 8, verses 3 through 4, where he declares, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Have you ever considered how gracious it is that God would even take time to be a part of your life? Maybe you question, well, is God really a part of my life in the first place? I mean, I I know I prayed years ago, but is God really involved? Does he show up in the things that I do? And my answer is absolutely yes, he does. There may be times that we're less aware of God's presence, but I want you to know that Jesus was very faithful and he declared that I will never leave you nor forsake you. We see that promise echoed throughout the scriptures over and over again. It's not a question of whether or not he is involved with your life. Sometimes we simply may not recognize his work. Something great happens and often we're tempted to almost take the credit for it. Oh, look at this wonderful thing that I've been able to accomplish. You need to be careful with that because there have been times throughout biblical history where people tried to take the credit that God deserved. And it didn't always work out so well for them case, Daniel actually talks to the king who basically the king is about to die because of him doing that. Recognize God has always been faithful and he has always been a part of your life. Imagine for a moment a great king. In our case, we live in a nation with a president. Imagine for a moment, I don't care if you even like the president or not. Imagine for a moment that in the middle of the service, your cell phone began to ring. I hope nobody's phone rings all of a sudden. But imagine for a moment that your phone began to ring. You look down, you, you don't recognize the number, and just real quick, you answered, 
Donald Trump? Would you almost feel overwhelmed that such an individual would call you? Someone who is in charge of basically the nation, yet they would take the time to speak with you? Would that almost seem to overwhelm you a little bit that someone of such high authority who could talk to anybody in the world has chosen today to speak with you? That is what happens when our God makes time for us. He is over everything. And he's not just over a nation. He is over everything. Yet he chooses to dwell in the hearts of his people. He chooses to interact with me and you. He chooses to have a personal relationship with common, ordinary peasants like ourselves. Why? I don't know. I guess it's just because he loves us. Do you realize the honor that is associated with that? Mary, as she sings this song, she knows that she has nothing to bring to the table. She is not someone who deserved recognition. She was not a person of great authority. She was not an individual who had accomplished great things with her life. She is a young lady who really didn't know what was going to happen next. And all of a sudden, she finds out that she is pregnant. She is pregnant with the Son of God. She was no better than the people around her. I wonder if at times... Maybe we lose sight of that just a little bit. I wonder if there aren't times that we think that somehow we deserve this relationship with God. Maybe we think we're better than the other people who are around us. Do you recognize that it is only by God's grace today that you have been called out of sin? You look at the people I saw on Friday night. I look at them, you're talking about broken people making, I don't even like to use the word, I hate when my kids use it, but they're making stupid choices. Am I better than them? Are you better than them? The answer is absolutely not. Except for the grace of Jesus Christ, every one of us could be in their shoes. Every one of us would be in their shoes except for the grace of God. Maybe our situation would be worse. Maybe if you want to talk about better than, maybe they would actually be better than us. But the grace of Jesus Christ has been poured out into us, not because we deserve it, but simply because he loves us. You know what? He loves them too. He desires so much to have them in that right relationship with him as well. It is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not picking the ones that deserve it, but rather he is extending his grace to all of them. Do you recognize that it is his grace alone that has given you incredible value? A second point that I see in here is that godly fear receives mercy. When we begin to fear the Lord, when we begin to seek him, mercy is a natural byproduct of that. She says in verse 50 that his mercy extends to those who fear God. She knows that her best is nothing compared to his mercy. In other words, 
she has no better place to turn. For every individual here, I don't know the things that you're going through. Some of you guys have brand new stuff that's about to take place. Some of you guys are about to start college, maybe even for the very first time. Some of you are going to meet new people this next week. Some of you have family issues. The dynamics are changing constantly. And you look at it and you almost wonder, how are we going to survive this? I want you to know that godly fear receives mercy. When you put God in his proper place in your life, his mercy will be enough to sustain you. When God becomes the centerpiece of your life, when you begin to look at him for everything, what happens is his mercy makes up for where you don't have enough to move forward. Godly fear always receives mercy. Remember, his mercy extends to those who fear him. A story is told in Matthew chapter 15 about a Canaanite woman. She comes to Jesus and she's seeking a miracle for her child. Now, to be honest, it appears to be one of the harshest passages in all of the scriptures involving Jesus. She's not Jewish. She wants this Jewish Messiah, however, to save her daughter. And Jesus basically says, no. It's a really interesting passage because it's not what you would expect Jesus is the one who loves all, and he clearly has a heart for all of humanity. At one point, he finds himself with a group of Samaritans. Why? Because he, he meets one Samaritan woman. He was concerned about this woman and the people that she would then bring to him. So why would Jesus say no? She pleads with him because she won't accept no for an answer. The analogy is given between Jesus and this woman of a parent feeding his children. He says, it's not right for me to give the food that is intended for children instead to the dogs. And what he's referencing here is he has come for the Jewish people. He is the Jewish Messiah. Those who were not Jewish weren't looking for a Messiah. So he says, I've come for the Jews. It wouldn't be right for me to take this time dealing with people outside the Jews. And, and I love her response. It shows such incredible desperation, but it also shows amazing faith. It shows a woman who genuinely feared the Lord. And because of it, she receives mercy. She says, yes, but even the dogs get to eat the scraps or the crumbs that fall to the floor. What she's saying is that I genuinely believe that you are my only hope. And if I could only receive a little mercy from you today, it would be enough. By the way, Jesus does heal this young lady. In fact, he commends her. He says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted I want you to know today that we need that type of faith and that kind of trust in our God. This woman, in her greatest moment of desperation, knew that she could turn to God because, you know what, there's nothing else that she had to turn to. I'll tell you today, just this morning, I, I spoke with at least six different people about situations, health concerns that folks are dealing with. And I want to encourage you, go to the doctor. 
Use the medicines that they give you. Do the things that science tells you you ought to do. But realize that they are not your hope. Jesus Christ is the only one who truly gives us hope. Do the things that the doctors told you to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you that medicine's a bad thing, that doctors are a bad thing. But know that truly he is the one who gives us hope. He's the one who gave them the abilities that they have. He's the one who made it possible for them to help you in the way that they do. Make sure your hope is placed in him above all else. The last thing that I want you to see from our passage here in Luke chapter 1 is this. Godly fear does receive exaltation. Exaltation is a big word. Basically, it means to lift up, to praise, to celebrate. In Mary's song, she talks about the humble being lifted up, and certainly she felt that lifting from God. It would seem that she understood Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, where he says, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I'm not telling you that you ought to humble yourselves just so you can be exalted. Uh, That would be a false sense of humility where you almost pretend to be humble, but you're sitting back and you're thinking to yourself, I sure hope people realize how good I am. That is a false sense of humility, and that's not what Jesus is talking about, nor is it what Mary is singing about. She is simply declaring that the Lord exalts, he lifts up those who humble themselves. In other words, don't do it so you can be recognized, but probably in the process, as you simply serve God with a humble heart, he will bless and he will give you all the recognition you need. I admit, you know, sometimes I get sucked into this wanting people to see how good I am. I see something that goes well, and I want to take credit for it. I had an individual come to me right before the service this morning. They didn't know I was going to be talking about this in the service, but they were actually commending the church on last Sunday's event. We were so excited to have all these police officers, firefighters, and EMS folks that were here, uh, and they were celebrating all of the things that must have went into making that happen. Uh, When they walked into the Family Life Center, everything was set up perfectly, uh, the signs were up there. Everything looked professional. It was, it was a well-done event. And as we're talking about it, there's a part of me when something like that comes, I almost want to just puff out the chest a little bit more. Or my head, I feel it starting to lean to the side because it's getting too big, that kind of thing. But the reality is when I begin to build myself up, when I begin to say, look at me, It's usually about the time that God says, okay, let's look. Then I begin to realize all of the areas that I fall so short in. You see, when we lift ourselves up, when we do everything possible to say, hey, look at me. People see not just those moments of success, but they begin to recognize exactly how imperfect and incomplete we are i got to tell you, I don't want me to be lifted up. If God chooses to do that at some point, I will celebrate that. But that is not what God created me for or called me for. I am called to serve the one true living God and to present the message of Jesus Christ above all else.
Do you know what? You have that same calling. Maybe nobody ever recognizes you for the things that you do. So what? Do you know who will recognize you? God will. There will come a day that we will stand before him and he will say to us, well done. Well done. You took the gifts, you took the abilities, you took the opportunities that I placed in front of you and you were faithful with those things. Well done. And he will welcome you into his kingdom. In that moment, it's not going to matter if somebody else said, you know what, he's really good with people. You know, she's nice to everybody. I want you to be nice to people. I want you to be good to people. But who cares in the big picture? What matters is one day we will be in the presence of the Lord and allow him to be the one to lift you up, regardless of whether anybody here ever recognizes what you've done. We need to be people who genuinely serve the Lord simply because it's what pleases him. The heart of that, though, we must recognize who he is as an almighty God who has chosen to dwell in his people and at the same time realize where we stand. I stand in the presence of a holy God, undeserving of that. Wow. He lets me, he invites me to come and be a part of that. I want to do whatever it takes so that he knows he made the right choice by inviting me.